Crime One and Chaos contains adult language and graphic content. Listener discretion is advised. Well, good day to you, Chaos Kids. I'm Amber. <laughs> and I'm Naomi. <laughs> and this is Crime Wine and Chaos. Oh is that one of the I, ones you have? No. Oh, okay. Hey, sister. I'm loving this. Mm-hmm. I'm loving that I've got you doing it too. That's all I'm saying. Like, that's oh, good. God. I was kind of stressed out. I was like, uh, my Google search says, like, what are fun ways to say hello? <laughs> that's me. That's the level oh. I'm operating at. You know what? It's fine. It's fine. It all works. It all works. Hello. Oh, hello. Oh, man. So we're on uh, episode number two in the can tonight. We just finished uh, recording a bonus episode for the Chaos Kids Club members. And uh, P.S., you guys, if you're not a Chaos Kids Club member, what are you even doing with yourselves? We're putting out content just for our patrons. And you got to be a member of the club so you can listen to that. So you're missing out on some stuff if you're not joining the club. And we know you're not joining the club because... We're still like three to five members shy of our next round of 10 to get us to another virtual wine night. And I really want to have another virtual wine night. So come join the club. Yeah. And I feel like you've already said too much because it's basically Fight Club and they don't get to know anymore. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to reveal so much. You gotta hold the cards a little closer. A little I'm closer. so sorry. You know, I've never been good at that. I'm like a heart on my sleeve kind of gal. You're so. like, <laughs> you know what? People don't have to guess with you, though. I respect that. It's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. You know, um, speaking of, I did something this week that I've never really done before, and I'm feeling some kind of way about it. Like, I did a full moon ritual on Tuesday night. Oh, I need to know more. <laughs> I thought, okay i okay let's go back upstream a little bit i thought not only is that something that you don't do but i thought that those kinds of things were a hard pass for you as far as like having any sort of benefit validity truth no no nope. no, no 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 that's not true oh. i i have opinions about culturally appropriating certain oh. things i i definitely have an issue with that and i especially have an issue with white people making a living culturally appropriating spiritual practices oh <laughs> that is a totally different thing than you know Got it meditation of some sort, setting intentions, centering oneself, communing with nature. There's lots of ways and means to do that that have nothing to do with any of that nonsense. Ah, privately in your own home. Well, actually, you'll like this. I went late at night and I went to, I'm not even going to say the name of it. I'm just going to give you enough clues so you'll know where I was without giving it away because I do not want to give away this, this amazing little gem of a spot. But I went down to the lake. Mm-hmm. next to the water at a little public space in a neighborhood, not far from where we grew up, that technically would be closed at that time of night, but is easily accessible because it's not fenced off. Mm-hmm. We went to a wedding there once. We talk about I it a lot I know exactly still. where you were. <laughs> also, we'll circle back to the fact that you were down the street from my house and didn't pop in. Yeah, but it was like 11 o'clock at night, Amber. <laughs> Oh, I was almost waking up for the day and brewing coffee. (laughs) 
It was beautiful. It was amazing. The, the full moon, like above the lake, and it was like shining down on the lake and like washing over me. And I had my candles and I had my my little things and I had my little blankie and I had my moment and the weather was beautiful. It was perfect. I mean, I don't know if I want to do this in like December because that's a whole other ball ball game. But we've experienced that spot in January. (laughs) We're good. Anyway, it was kind of amazing and it kind of shifted my whole week and I'm feeling really good about it. And I'm thinking I will definitely probably do something like that again at some point. Um, and, uh, I highly recommend, uh, that you find that people find ritual of any kind of any kind in their life that brings them peace and, and quiet and grounding and whatever it is you're looking for to just feel better. Like ritual works. Like here's my take on it. Amber. I don't know if there is anything bigger out there doing anything for me. Right. <clears throat> what I do know is that these practices and these these, these rituals that we can do, like if they are just a mind fuck, that's good enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like placebo. Yeah. Like if it's, if yeah. the placebo works, then it, then it's just as good as medicine. You know what I'm yep. saying? I agree. <laughs> I agree. I had similar, that's so funny because, uh, finding peace has been a hot topic in our house this week, uh, because we, none of us can seem to find it. And, but um, <laughs> I know, where have you gone? <laughs> um, today, I was, you know, realizing that, you know, because I work from home, that sometimes you forget to actually take breaks. And I was losing my shit because I delegated a project to myself that is above my head. And right. so I walked away and went and turned on my meditation podcast and just took a 15 minute calming, calm the anxiety meditation break and was like, okay. And it makes all the difference, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because so much of my stress comes from being so busy. And then I'm like, I don't have time to meditate. But you know what's so funny? There's like a a guru or a, a, you know, spiritual, you know, big mama jamma. I don't remember who who said it, but there's a famous quote out there somewhere and I'm going to butcher it, but it basically says like, you should meditate for, um, 10 minutes every day. And if you don't have time for that, then you should meditate for an hour. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. If you're losing your shit because you have too much on your plate, what you need to do is hit pause. Or I shouldn't tell people what they need to do. What works for me is to hit pause. Take the time anyway. Like yeah. take the time anyway, you know? Yep. Yeah. 100%. Well, I'm glad that you do that for you. And I'm glad that you had mm-hmm. that moment where you realized it. Because a lot of times yeah, like, we... We can go like really long periods with like being like completely insane in some way, but like banging your head against a wall or for, or whatever it is. Right. And then it's like, oh, no, all I needed to do, like, and not even recognize that, like that, that that's happening. Like we're not, we're so in it. We can't even see that we're doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. But like to be able yeah. to see it and then take a step back, that's progress in and of itself for a lot of us. So that's awesome yeah. to see. Yeah. Yeah. I needed that. What are you drinking? Thank you for asking. Um, I'm still drinking because this is a double. Uh, The Frank Cord... I can't read it now because I've had two glasses. (laughs) Frank Cardinal. It's a red wine from France. You guys are in for a treat. This is going to be a fun one. Amber's already two glasses in. (laughs) Oh, I don't... Do I have a story? I don't know. (laughs) We'll, We'll find out together. 
Oh my god! Just make it up as you go. It's fine. Mm, It's fine. All right. You know what? I'm gonna. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna get into it. It's a crime, and it is a. Oh, it's a fucking bummer. Um, and it's kind of a weird one. It's like a. It's not a very long story, mostly because it was really hard to find very much information about these people. Um, Hmm. I did what I could. Um, but I feel like this is one of those where it's worth telling. So uh, I'm going to tell you about the Strack family. Okay. Okay. So it's September 27th, 2014 in Springville, Utah, which is a small town. It's about, I think, like 30,000 people. It's just outside of Provo, which is quite a bit south of Salt Lake. Okay. 19-year-old Jansen enters the home of his mom, Christy, stepdad, Benjamin, and his three half-siblings, 14-year-old Benson, 12-year-old Emery, and 11-year-old Zion. The house was quiet, and it appeared empty, which was unusual, one, because there's three kids in this house, right? Mm -hmm. And also, he had his fiance with him, and they were there for a visit. And they were expected. So this didn't really make any sense. And so Jansen starts searching the home for clues to figure out like where the family has gone. Uh huh. And then he gets to his parents' bedroom door and he finds that it's closed. And when he tries to open it, it's, it won't budge. Like he can't, he can't get the door open. So he calls his grandmother and she comes over and together they pry open the bedroom door to his parents' room. And there they find his entire family and none of them are alive. No. Was it a body in front of the door? What was happening? I never really got that. So I don't know if like maybe it was locked and it was just a really good lock. Okay. Oh, that's so awful. So the two older siblings, Benson and Emery, were laying on an air mattress at the end of the bed with a sheet covering their bodies. The youngest, Zion, was in bed between Christy and Benjamin. Benjamin was the only one who was uncovered. Mm. It was because of that that later they would conclude that he was the last one of them to die. A family friend must have arrived because it was this woman who spoke with 911 dispatch. And she was saying part of the call, she says, oh, my God, the whole family killed themselves. And Jansen's hmm. grandmother is screaming in the background. The whole family killed themselves. Okay. Well, the cause of death wasn't immediately apparent to the first responders, but they soon located a yellowish, orangish liquid in a child's sand pail in the bedroom, and it contained a lethal drug cocktail. Further testing and toxicology reports revealed the contents of that liquid contained cold medicine allergy medicine, pain medicine, sleeping medication, and cherry-flavored liquid methadone. Jesus Christ. This would have put the children to sleep before they even died. Christy died of an overdose of methadone, while Benjamin's cause of death was a heroin overdose. Hmm. A search of the house found nothing to indicate that Christy and Benjamin planned this. There were like lists about like what looked like you lists you would write if you were like getting ready to go on vacation, right? Like water the plants and get a dog sitter or whatever. 
The -hmm. only thing that was found that looked anything like a suicide note was a letter written by Benson, the 14 year old to a friend two days prior to the tragedy. And in this letter, he gives his valuable belongings to his friend as, and says something about his family not being around much longer. Oh, that's pretty telling. And it also comes to light that Benjamin had not been to work for the whole week leading up to this day. So ultimately, the deaths of the two youngest, Emery and Zion, were ruled a homicide because they could not have made the decision to die by suicide at their age. Benson's death was ruled undetermined because at age 14, it's possible that he went along willingly with his parents' plan. Mm, Okay. And Christy and Benjamin's deaths were ruled suicides. Wow. When news of this family annihilation was reported, friends, family, and the community were all in disbelief. Like, how could something like this happen? And what events could have possibly led to this nightmare? What I could find out about Christy and Benjamin, which wasn't very much, was that Benjamin was Christy's second husband. The oldest son, Jansen, the one who found them, was from her first marriage. The other three children she had with Benjamin Christy and Benjamin were both drug addicts who had struggled with opiate addiction over the years. At the time of the murder-suicide, Christy was taking methadone to manage her addiction. At some point in the years prior, they had both been through court-ordered treatment. Christy was a devout Mormon, and it appears Benjamin shared her faith. I mean, this is Utah, after all. Sure. Yeah, yeah. In 2003... John Krakauer's book, Under the Banner of Heaven, was published. This nonfiction work was about two main things. The origin and evolution of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is the Mormon church, and a double Mm -hmm. murder committed in the name of God by brothers Ron and Dan Lafferty. The Lafferty brothers were part of a splinter group of the LDS called the School of Prophets. The group claims not to be fundamentalists, but they are definitely still in the polygamy is cool camp of Mormons. Mm. Basically, Ron Lafferty said that God told him that their younger brother, Alan's wife, Brenda, and her 14 month old daughter, Erica, needed to be, quote, removed. This was this was referred to as the removal revelation. But the truth was. Ron's wife had left him taking their six children with her to Florida because Ron wanted to take on another wife and marry off their teenage daughters as plural wives as well. And Ron blamed his sister-in-law, Brenda, for his wife leaving him because Brenda was educated and strong-willed and supported Ron's wife in leaving. Mm-hmm. Also, he likely saw her as getting the way of Ron and Dan getting Alan to join them in this fundamentalist group. So Ron and Dan murdered Brenda and baby Erica, and they both went to trial. And I won't get into all the details, but Ron was sentenced to death and sat on death row for 36 years, dying of natural causes in November of 2019. Dan is still serving two concurrent life sentences at Utah State Prison. Side note, this double murder happened in American Fork, Utah, and I have been there. You've been everywhere, sister. Well, that's where my other sister grew up with my other parent. That's where they lived. They lived in American Fork. Okay. Is it nice? No. Oh. (laughs) It's not. It's just a place. Do you know what I mean? It's just a tiny little place. Um, This all went down in 1984. 
right? And the Lafferty's had been in prison for almost 20 years when uh, Krakauer's book came out. And it was like a, it's literally considered one of the, one of the top 10 true crime novels ever written, right? <clears throat> there was like okay. a, a mini series made from it all the whole, the whole nine, right? So mm-hmm. what the fuck do Ron and Dan Lafferty and this book about Mormonism and murder have to do with this horrific tragedy of the Strack family? Well, Christy read this book and became very interested in Dan Lafferty sometime in 2005. It started with her writing letters to him in prison. Lafferty would later claim that Christy had a dream about him that initiated these letters. Eventually, she and Benjamin both started visiting Lafferty in prison almost every week. Whoa. They bought into Lafferty's religious beliefs, and they believed him to be a prophet. How does this happen to people? How? I don't know. People get lost, Amber. People get lost. They latch on to anything. Oh my God. When Christy was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, she believed that Lafferty could heal her. And this relationship was not one-sided. Lafferty encouraged the letters and the visits. He had grown his hair out very long, like all the way to his waist and his beard too. And at Christy's request, he cut it all off for her. And he sent it to Christy and Benjamin as a gift. Ew, no. Hmm. Did he vacuum seal it? <laughs> Only Chaos Kid Club members are going to get that reference. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. I know. Leave a little breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He even requested in his will that his ashes be sent to Christy and Benjamin when the time came. Lafferty claimed that Christy had become like one of his own children to him, and she, in turn, had fallen in love with him. Ew. Suppose, yes. Supposedly, even Benjamin knew that Christy was in love with Lafferty, and Benjamin was totally cool with it. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. So it looks like this went on for about three years until in 2008, the relationship started to taper off, partly because Christy came for a prison visit one day and tried to pass off her brother as Benjamin so she could get her brother in to meet Lafferty, and she got caught. Can't he just put be put on the visitor list? I mean, I get, I don't know. So this led to a temporary removal of visitation rights. Uh-oh. Also, Christy and Benjamin had some kind of forgery and drug charges or something like that that likely also made them ineligible for prison visits after that. Mm-hmm. And then Christy and Benjamin pulled their kids out of public school to start homeschooling them. Oh, these poor kids. Yeah. Hindsight being what it is, friends and family said they should have known something was brewing. But when Christy and Benjamin talked about a coming apocalypse and wanting to remove themselves from the evils of the world, everyone just assumed they meant like buying a piece of property in Montana or something and living off the grid, not like, you know, killing their children and then then themselves, you know? I do know. Yeah, that would be quite the leap to go straight to that. I mean, right. When when police questioned Lafferty to see what he knew, he initially said he had nothing to do with any of it. And he seemed genuinely surprised by the news of it. Later, when speaking to the press, Lafferty would say he maybe had more of an influence on them than he initially thought. Mm -hmm. He talked a lot about the hell of this earth and the second coming 
ideas that clearly resonated with Christy and Benjamin, who saw an impending apocalypse in the very near future and decided the better course of action would be to remove themselves and their children before Armageddon arrived. Oh, God. But in the end, there's just a lot of unanswered questions. Could this have been prevented? How much of this was religious zeal and how much of it was mental health problems? Did the mm-hmm. children know what was happening to them? Oh, I hope Did Benson not. go along with his parents willingly? There was no sign of a struggle anywhere in the home to indicate any of the children were physically forced to drink the concoction that ultimately killed them. So that's it, sister. That's the story of the Strack family. That's like a tiny Jonestown. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just don't understand. I mean, yeah, people have their stuff. Being in such a place where you, it's like the, um, there's people that still are um, obeying the gospel of Warren Jeffs. From While he's body. in prison. Right. Yeah. It's For like, what has raping happened? Raping little children. In, right. In your life that that is your, this well, the goes same back thing to with our like, initial conversation. Like find peace in a healthy way. Right. Well, I mean, that's like Keith Rainier, right? <laughs> Keith Rainier. Yeah. There are still people in Nexium that are like still on board with Keith Rainier. Like he's still got the answers. Even though everybody knows by now that he stole half of his answers from Scientology. So it's not like he mm-hmm. even invented. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, yeah. Which is also very creepy, Scientology. Well, yeah, that's uh, a whole, whole other, thing. like a whole other fucking, yeah, can of worms there. But yeah, oh, I mean, it's. God. No shade on, you know, you know, your everyday Mormon, but even Mormonism is like, you know, born out of snake oil salesman itself. So it's like anything fundamental of that is just like, it's like the purest of pure cultiness. You know, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, it like, really is. It really is. Ugh. And, you know, a lot of these articles talked a lot about them being like addicts and struggling with their addiction. And they had all these mental health problems that were exacerbated by being addicts and they really like like hammered home on this like addict thing like i i don't know i mean obviously they weren't mentally well no one mentally well like kills their children and then themselves no. like no one in no. a and 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 i wonder like this might even be a little bit of that folio do right like mm-hmm. christy and benjamin like in this shared psychosis of like the appending apocalypse the evil is around us we have to escape. We have to save our children. Like that's its own, like that could very well be what was going on there as well. Right. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. It also really reminds me of like the Lori Vallow case. Oh yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. God. Oh, so that was fucking awful. I'm so sorry, sister. I just, I feel really like, I really, really feel the worst for, um, Jansen, the eight, the 18, the 19 year old that, well, he'd be like, you know, in his 20, he'd be like 25 by now, I think thereabouts. Cause this was in 2014, 15. Um, I mean, I can't even, I can't even imagine the horror mm-hmm. of finding your family, your whole family like that, your siblings, your little brother and your, your little brothers and your little I sister, know. like, Mm-mm. And then it's now awful. he's just all like he has no he has no one. I mean he I mean he has some family. Obviously he might even have lots of family because Mormons like to have big families. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Like his parents, his siblings. I 
I know. I know. Ugh. Yeah. It's horrific. <sighs> it is horrific. So you're welcome for that. Um, Thank should you. we just do a little Wayne's World shift into a chaos story? Yep. Okay, great. Give it to me, um, sister. Give it to me, baby. Um, I'm going to tell you about Floyd Collins. Okay. Okay. First of all, I already have I a know. feeling because just the name Floyd just says every, says so much already. It says so much already, you know? I know. You had a Floyd in your last story. Was it my last story? Uh, yeah, the bonus episode. Oh, that, that was you have Virginia's. To pay for. Right. You have to pay for. That was Virginia's first husband. Yeah. Floyd Floyd who, Vogel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who may or may not be sharing a grave. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh. Oh, my God. All right. So this is Floyd Collins. Okay. He was born and raised in Barron County, Kentucky, which is the home to the largest caves in the world. Ooh, is that where Have the uh, Mammoth Cave is? I'm. This is about Mammoth Cave. This is about Mammoth Cave. Uh huh. God, you're so well traveled. All day today. All day or day. <laughs> I haven't been to Mammoth Cave. But side note, okay, side note. I have to tell you the story. Mm-hmm. I used to work with this guy. I worked with him at Microsoft, and then I also worked with him when I was at Western Digital because Bob hired him at Western Digital, and he was a program manager, and um, he was a real odd duck. And he kind of had a little bit of like a borderline creeper vibe, but he was mm-hmm. never not nice, you know? But see, yeah. he's like, he was one of those people, one of those older men who was just like right on the edge and you just never quite knew, like, is he just oblivious or is he a creep? I can't tell. And he, <laughs> he was a big time spelunker also like a hiker and a backpacker and all that stuff, but he was a big time spelunker. And he actually wrote like the book on the mammoth cave. Really? Yes. Oh, well, I wonder if he included uh, our friend here, Floyd. I don't know, but this is his claim to fame. So that's how I know. I've never actually been to the mammoth cave, but this is how I know about the mammoth cave. Wow. Okay. So, well, I'll just give you a, nothing like uh, what Creeper maybe not wrote, but here's a quick synopsis. Okay. There's over 400 miles of caves that have been mapped, and it's believed that there's possibly another 600 miles that has yet to be mapped. Crazy pants. Crazy pants. Spooky. This is where those stories of like people that just live in caves, like the underground people, like this is this is where <laughs> this is where these stories come from. Right. They're yeah, the ones that are yeah. like stealing people from the national parks and like whisking <laughs> them away underground to their cave dwellings. Yes. <laughs> Haven't you ever seen that Jordan that Jordan Peele movie? Uh it's not no uh not get out. Uh it's the other one. It's uh damn it, I can't remember the name of it. It's the Jordan Peele movie. It's all about anyway, it it, it it's about this. It's about all it's about the underground cave system of North America. Oh wow. Oh, I hate it. It gets, it's spooky. Uh Uh-huh. So, um, it has been a national park and tourist attraction since the 1940s. And Floyd was born in 1887. And as young as the age of six started exploring the caves. Okay. He and his siblings lived right next to the mammoth cave. Lucky ducks. Lucky ducks. And over the years, Floyd in particular became an expert in the cave system. Okay. 
Even when he was a little kid, he would go deep into the caves and he would find, I mean, this is problematic now, but it's, you know, the 1800s. He would find <laughs> all the Native American artifacts and he would sell the artifacts at the Mammoth Cave Hotel to tourists. Oh, yeah, that's really problematic. <laughs> <laughs> but he made so much money doing his cave looting that by the age of 10, he dropped out of school and became a full-time seller of the stolen cave goods. Jesus. Okay, mm-hmm. Floyd. I mean, sure. Okay. In 1917, he discovers a new tunnel that was the most beautiful cave he had ever seen. The walls inside the cave were covered in what looked to be marble, and he named it Crystal Cave. Okay. So this cave system in Barron County is fucking massive, and it has a whole bunch of openings all over the place, and some are really easy to spot and others aren't. And so property owners who happened to live on properties that had an opening were able to charge tourists to explore the cave if they entered on their land. Oh. And this would become known as the cave wars. <laughs> I love a good, like, low stakes <laughs> war. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my like god. The maple syrup wars, you know? <laughs> yes, it's just like that. Yes. It's only caves. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Floyd discovers this crystal cave and he convinces his family that they need to own the piece of land that had the entrance to Crystal Cave, thinking that they're going to make a fortune once the tourists find out about this place. But they don't have the only entrance. Well, it's all sort of connected, depending on how deep you want to go. Sure. So there is a piece of land available that is right to the entrance of this crystal place. Got you. Mm-hmm. But what Floyd and his family didn't understand about the cave wars was that the property owners closest to town were the most profitable because tourists were going to go into the first cave entrance available. Sure. I mean, people are lazy, generally speaking. It's location, location, location. 100%. Right? Yeah. <laughs> And the Crystal Cave entrance and this piece of land was way down the line. You had to be like deep into Barron County to even know it was there. Mm -hmm. So the family bought the land, but unfortunately it was not profitable. Oh. Yeah. But he had his his artifacts though. It was, he was fine. (sighs) Wow. His stolen. Yes. His stolen native artifacts that he was making the killing off of. God. Merca. Uh, Oh my God. (laughs) Fucking Floyd. The Collins family was already super poor. So this was like a huge hardship for them. Oh, I heard in one source that the Collins family home was next to the ticket booth where you bought the tickets to go into the cave entrance and the ticket booth was larger than the home. Oh, this is like Dolly Parton's home. This is like the yes. one room shack situation. Yes. And there's like, or a, like lot a family of, of seven or 11 or something like that. In oh like the size of an outhouse. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so desperate for some kind of revenue, Floyd goes looking for another cave entrance with a better location. Okay. And he eventually finds one and the cave itself isn't nearly as pretty as Crystal Cave. But the entrance was in a location that would definitely attract tourists. It was Mm -hmm. way up at the front of the line. Mm -hmm. 
So at this time, it's 1925, and Floyd makes a business agreement to purchase this cave with the better location with two other men, Bernard Doyle and Ed Estes. Oh, these guys are going to fuck Floyd over. (laughs) I can feel it coming. I've I've read this story. You have? No. Oh, I was like, oh, well, we're done. Let's wrap it up. (laughs) Because you're only telling the story to me, remember. <laughs> I, that's right. I have to think of it that way. Otherwise, ugh. okay. So <laughs> Floyd doesn't have any money. So Bernard and um, Ed, they make a deal with Floyd that they would put up the money for the purchase if Floyd could do the work developing the cave and making it ready for tourists since sure. she's the expert. Yeah. Okay. So Floyd thought this was a great fucking idea. He had been doing this his entire life anyway. So he agrees. But the problem with this cave was that it wasn't like solid limestone like the other caves. The name of the cave was Sand Cave because it was like sandy and muddy and there was no safe way for tourists to even go into it, let alone walk around and explore. But they bought it anyway? Uh Uh-huh. With the understanding that Floyd would get to work carving out a safe path. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, so it he became his, and then it became his life's work. <laughs> and Floyd is still working on it to this day. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> I know. Floyd is the guy grabbing people from the park and taking them down to a sand cave. Um, <laughs> he's still working on it. He's just a mole person now. Oh, oh. <laughs> So yeah, he's putting in 12-hour days every day. And on January 30th, 1925, he had successfully created an opening that was safe enough to crawl through. That's how far Crawl through? Yeah. (laughs) Can you imagine? No, nobody's doing that. Nobody is doing that, Floyd. Nobody (laughs) loves caves like you. Nobody loves caves enough like you do to crawl through to get inside. (laughs) <laughs> no one's paying you to crawl through a tunnel into your muddy sandy cave <laughs> oh my god oh my god so he goes in about 50 feet through a space that is like a chimney going straight down what and then it takes <laughs> that's the entrance <laughs> That's not That's not an entrance. Floyd, that's a death trap. That's That is a lawsuit. He's working on it, Naomi. That is not a lawsuit waiting to happen. Not in 1925 it ain't. Okay. <laughs> so he's got about 50 feet of this chimney-like space. And then once you get to the bottom of that, it takes a hard turn around a corner. And once around the corner, there's only enough space to lay on your back and like shimmy down. <laughs> oh my god this is not okay listen he would have done so much better if he had just used that energy to convince people to come out to the crystal cave i know i know because as soon as word got out as soon as word got out people would come Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no no no. you just gotta drive out of town the spot you want to go to is out of town 
People would have sent other people. They would have made money. I know. I know. Oh, they, they were in a desperate time. So okay. this is the space that Floyd is working on now is this shimmy space. And he said that <laughs> it wasn't. Shimmy space. <laughs> I just can't. I'm just going <laughs> to. I'm cave exploring. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't think you're exploring much of anything. <laughs> Side note, you know, a couple of years back, uh, me and my now ex went to uh, the ape cave down south of Mount St. Helens. Mm-hmm. And that's its own like, th- but, and there are a couple of spots where there's been literal cave-ins where you have to climb up these like, you know, good 12, 15 feet piles of rocks and like get over these because there's no way else to keep going except to climb these piles. And then you're like hunched down because the, no. the roof of the cave is like right there. And you got to, and there were a couple of spots where we had to like kind of shimmy no. <laughs> to get by a spot here and there to keep going. But like they were just like a couple of spots. There wasn't like, it wasn't like how it wasn't like 50 feet of chimney space down and was you a full tunnel oh you don't have claustrophobia Mm-mm, no oh god see this is just like and also the about ape that. cave the ape cave it's huge it's actually huge there were spots where you had to do that but like it is gigantic it is i not, couldn't even handle the spot where you had to do that it was so cool I loved it. Oh God! Anyway, shimmy. We're shimmy. We're working on the shimmy section. He's in the shimmy section. He said he wasn't even able to take a full breath in that area. Oh Jesus Christ! No. So he's down there shimmying and chipping away, and his lantern starts to flicker. So he decides to head back up. But going back up, he's head first, obviously, rather than feet first, and he's using his feet to push himself up. But doing this. Up this chimney shaft, essentially. Yeah, I, he's still in the shimmy portion. Oh, okay. I don't know what the opposite of shimmy is. Shami, I, I, he's, <laughs> he, he's getting back up with his feet and doing this disrupts the ground and everything starts to loosen and crumble. Oh, no. Now we're back to the like the coal miners dilemma of like the collapsed fucking mine situation. This is... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then a huge boulder comes down and pinned one of his feet. Oh. And then right after that, his lantern goes out. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. Pitch black. So it's pitch black. He's on his back with his arms at his side. Oh, my God. It's 16 degrees. No. It's January. Uh-huh. And it's totally normal for Floyd to disappear for long stretches of time in the caves. So nobody notices that he's gone for 25 hours. <gasps> oh, no. No. I- <laughs> yeah. Just, and I'm like, he's just like. <laughs> I do a great impression of a hot dog. <laughs> Sorry, that's me. Yes, exactly. I feel like I'm having deja vu. We've totally done this before. <laughs> totally. <laughs> just chilling there with his arms at his side. Just Can you what? Twenty five like hours. 
Oh, it goes uh. much longer than that. Oh, so- no. Was this like a baby Jessica situation? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, okay. So after 25 hours, the son of one of his business partners goes to check on him. And he stood at the entrance of the cave and hollers down. And that's when he heard Floyd hollering back that he was stuck and needed some help. Okay. So this kid goes and gets his brother Homer because he's too scared to go in the cave and help Floyd. But Homer doesn't have a problem going in. So Homer gets there and starts going down. But while he's trying to dig an opening for Floyd to get out, it's just causing more rubble to fall and Uh pinning Floyd even more. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon, word starts getting around town that Floyd is stuck in the cave. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And people are popping popcorn. (laughs) Yes. Hold on. We'll get to the carnival. (laughs) This is like this is like the casino. This is like the Harvey Casino bombing. Pretty soon, there's. I know. (laughs) I was reading this, and I was like, "It's happening again." What is wrong with people? But do they have merch? That's what matters. I got stuck in a sand cave. No. 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 <laughs> it's too too early for merch. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So there's nobody in town who's more of an expert than Floyd. So nobody really knows how to get him out. Right. People did go in and get down far enough to deliver food and blankets to Floyd, but that's all they could really do. Blankets? How are they putting blankets on him? Oh. <laughs> They're just like, it's like that just lady. So he, it's like in the fucking labyrinth when she's just like putting a like a bear on the shoulder. Like, here you go, honey. Here's your bear. Like, it's like one of a blanket sticking next to his cheek. Like, what? I know. Oh, my God. What of a blanket. We just wanted you to look at it. We thought it would help. <laughs> Think warm thoughts. A balloon that says get well soon. Can you send out? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Think warm thoughts. <laughs> uh, okay. I have to be able to see my page. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. <clears throat> Three days into this ordeal. (laughs) Three days? How is he even still alive? It's like below zero in there. There's blankets. (laughs) Oh my God, I almost spit my water all over the microphone. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. 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 Three days into this ordeal, a young reporter named Skeets Miller, he's 20, (laughs) he shows up at the cave entrance to do a story. So, (laughs) this totally is a baby Jessica situation. (laughs) Oh, young Skeets here, he's 5'5 and about 110 pounds. So he decides to squeeze on down and interview Floyd. Squeeze on down, squeeze on down the hole now. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So before he goes down, you know, word above ground is that Floyd's doing okay because they've brought him blankets and food. But when Skeet gets down there, 
That's not the case at all. Shocking. <laughs> You're telling me Floyd's not doing okay? Three days in? Not I only don't that, believe it. But Skeets finds that a lot of the supplies that people said that they brought him and su- like successfully delivered, like food and blankets, were just shoved in places because nobody was actually brave enough to go all the way down to where Floyd was. So they would just... <laughs> shove them to the side and come back up empty handed be like done delivered him some oh food. my god <laughs> oh so whew. so skeets is interviewing floyd over the course of several days and he's sending out his report while also trying to make a plan to help him over and several re- days mm-hmm. several pushing days on yeah. like a, we're gonna be like at a week here real quick <laughs> Several implies more than two. He's already been down there three by the time Skeets shows up. I bet it doesn't feel real quick to Floyd. No. Um, The longest six days of his life. uh Uh-huh. So, he, yeah, he's trying to make a plan, but his reports end up making their way to the Associated Press and making national news. Oh, good for Skeets. He's getting something out of Skeets went on. He went on to win a Pulitzer Prize for his report on Floyd Collins. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is this is like the oldie old timey equivalent of the the weather reporter that stands out in the middle of the hurricane to mm-hmm. give you the weather report. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So because of these reports, though, Floyd's predicament gets national news, and pretty soon there's a fucking carnival going on (laughs) there's a street fair Mm -hmm. outside the entrance Mm -hmm. this time okay there's thousands of people at the cave entrance there's a band there's There's a there's a there's an mc no but there is a vendor selling hamburgers and hot dogs 100 percent, and a balloon guy (laughs) Uh uh-huh Get well Not soon. Not kidding. <laughs> Get well soon, Floyd. <laughs> yeah. So Floyd's not doing so well. And Skeets has been regularly bringing down lights so Floyd could see, but also for some heat. And eventually the heat allows Floyd to be able to move just a little bit. Okay. And he's able to move his arms and his leg that isn't pinned under the boulder. But on day five, because of Floyd's movements, the entrance fully caves in. The chimney? Yeah, the, the chimney. The chimney in. collapses. Mm-hmm. Is Skeets in there yeah. with him? No. Oh no. So when this happens, finally the governor of Kentucky gets involved, and it is decided that they will dig a shaft straight down to try to free Floyd, much like Baby Jessica. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a crew of seventy-five is brought in, and it takes eighteen days. What? To build a five-story shaft down to Floyd. Floyd is not alive after 18 days. No, they finally get to him and Floyd is deceased. Oh, Floyd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. They also realize that there is no way to safely get the boulder off of his leg and to bring his body back up. So they end up leaving him there. Oh, my God. Poor Floyd. Yeah. So the carnival packs up and leaves. And Floyd's business partners put up a roadside sign letting tourists know that they could come visit the grave of Floyd Collins for 50 cents. These motherfuckers. Mm -mm -hmm. (sighs) Yeah. 
So Floyd's family is not fucking happy about this, and neither is his friend Homer. So Homer took it upon himself to raise funds to hire people and the necessary equipment to get Floyd's body out. He was eventually able to get him removed and buried in his family plot near Crystal Cave. Oh, yeah. good, good job, Homer. How nice. I know. And that is my story of Floyd Collins. Oh, my God. Killer. That was a wild ass ride again. Mm-hmm. I laughed. With I cried from tragedies. laughing. I don't know. <laughs> Into carnivals and street I, fairs. I oh my god! I mean, there wasn't like t-shirts, but balloons or merch, you know. And what, grab a hamburger and what? I don't shout know. down into the cave while you eat your burger. Like, I what are we doing? I don't know. <laughs> I want a hamburger. Uh, you always want a hamburger. Favorite. <laughs> oh man. Sister. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, who was the original baby Jessica? It was. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 100%. 18 days? Yeah. 75 people in 18 days? There were some, um, it was hard to find a lot of information because it's so old, but like autopsy reports showed that he didn't die on day five from the cave collapsing. Like he was still alive for several days after that. Yeah. He probably died of starvation or like dehydration. Yeah. Yeah. Suffocation or whatever that is. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Maybe he might've run out of air. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Poor Floyd. And I mean- yeah, and all he had to do was put that same amount of effort into getting people out to the entrance that he already had. And they would have I come. I know they would have come. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I mean, I guess thanks for that. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Um, You're welcome, that was, sister. Um, wow. Uh, do we have anything for the good of the order? I already, uh, Just the- I, I already told everybody to go join the, the Chaos Kids Club. On the Patreon. Yep, sign up at the Patreon. Um, you can check out my band at tinfoiltophat.com. Mm-hmm. You can check out Naomi on the Twitter at Miss Nomers, G-N-O-M-E-R-S. Yes. That's right. M-I-S-S-G-N-O-M-E-R-S. Yep. Yeah. And, oh, hey, you know what? Go give us a rating on your uh, podcast app, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have an Apple device, go to Apple Podcasts and write us a little review. We love yes, that. We do. We, we read them all. love it. Yes. Mm-hmm. We we yeah. like we squeal, we squeal at them together. We appreciate it very much. Um I love you sister. That was love so you, sister. Fucking, fucking chaotic. Chaotic. Bye-bye. Eighth Direction Records. Artwork by Joshua M. Davis. Music by Paul Abner. If you would like to support the show, you can visit our Patreon page at Crime Wine and Chaos forward slash Patreon. Cheers. <clears throat> I'm gonna <clears throat> excuse me. Moment. <clears throat> Lots of talking today. I'm, I'm sorry. Tell you, no, no, no. Do not ever be sorry.